This is yours. This is ours. This is mine. What's up and welcome to Minds. I'm your host, Jay Hernandez, and today I'm talking with my good friend, President Zen One. You may know from the Black Helicopter News podcast, which you can find on the platform uh, known as Podomatic. There's a downloadable app. I'm sure they've got it for Android and, uh, and Apple and everything in between. He's got himself on a, a few dozen different uh, directories, so... I don't think it'll be very hard for you to find if you just type in Black Helicopter News or President Zen 1. <sighs> Your latest in uh, conspiracy news and, you know, real truth kind of stuff. Interesting, interesting stuff. He's on his 47th episode, I believe. I checked it today. Uh, so I've got a couple episodes I've got to catch up on. But today we did something a little interesting and we mixed up the shows because, yeah, I talked to him in an earlier episode. And we've talked since, and we're always kind of uh, ping-ponging ideas off of each other. So today I figured, you know, he'd come down, and uh, and we actually recorded the episode for his show, which if you want to check it out in a cross-promotion type of way, you can find the episode with me on it. But I know it is under the title of uh, Witness the Majesty of the Black Goo which was the subject we talked about. Pretty interesting stuff. You know, I could I could go down that rabbit hole. It's not above me or uh, or below me in any way. Uh, I'm into the conspiracy stuff, especially when you can make some clear-cut connections with things that are happening in the now and things that you've heard about and uh, kind of put the pieces together in your own head. So we did that thing, and um, also on my journeys through town, I ran into a guy by the name of Taven, who is uh, somewhat of a traveling minstrel, building his chops, feeling things out. So it's been a weird week full of realizations. Uh, I'm happy where things are going, but it's just been crazy putting together all the pieces of seemingly unrelated stuff and coming out with a bigger picture. To begin with, my week started with a hiccup, and I got a bit of a surprise day off when my wife Liz woke up not feeling good. I'd gotten up, gotten the kids ready for school, and was in the middle of getting our morning underway when she asked me if we could make a couple cancellations, shift some things around, so we did. And that pushed our morning start time back a bit. So I decided to lay down for a minute, refigure our schedule a bit, shake it around my head. So I kicked around the idea of doing it all by myself, anticipated a couple phone calls I was going to make, put my coffee to brew, and next thing you know, it's two in the afternoon. I sit up immediately, my head spinning with a new inventory of everything I'd missed before cancellations, a total of five accounts, countless opportunities to write or read or both. Got to play my guitar. Oh, what could I do? It was a wash. So I'll be grateful instead. Grateful that I got to fill my sleep deficit, 
that I've been feeling creeping up on me, having woken up early all weekend. I'll be grateful that I'm self-employed and don't have to worry that my life and livelihood is going to fold in on itself and implode because I missed a day of work. Of course I'll miss the money. But between taxes and all your other expenses, it all comes out in the wash. But it does seem silly when you put it into context that uh, your well-being can be threatened if your body decides to conspire against you and, uh, and impose little rest into your busy schedule. I've been checking out more podcasts as of late, and it's crazy how much information is out there just being talked about and shared between people. First off, super ego is the shit. Profiles and self-obsession. This is an improv podcast founded by uh, doctors Matthew Gorley and Jeremy Carter. Uh, Mark McConville and Jeff Crocker and Paul F. Tompkins came into play over time, and, uh, and the rest is history. So if you're into characters and wacky premises, and you don't mind your brain being twisted and pulled in an uncomfortable manner, then you should check it out. They've since discontinued after dropping season four, but the wealth of episodes they left in their wake is abundant. On a more serious note, Cracked is another podcast I'm absorbing lately that left me with a couple tidbits of knowledge that I'm going to share with you. The hydraulic theory of masculinity is something I'm familiar with, but putting a name to it really gave it some oomph. Basically, that's the idea that if a man does not release his ejaculate, he will eventually explode. Shaming of the meat is another morsel I picked up from this show. Now, this idea comes from young hunters in a tribe returning home with a bounteous catch, leaving him feeling as if he's blessed the tribe with a feast fit for a king. In this particular tribe, the young hunters met with jeering and shaming. This robs the young buck of his feelings of superiority, thus hampering any ambitions to unbalance the tribe in his favor, thus keeping anyone from rising to power unduly. Historically, it's believed that this is where sarcasm and satire derived from, making it possible for the powers that be to be looked at and laughed at from oblique perspectives. That's priceless. Today in my unofficial Signs and Connections segment, I want to point out that uh, the movie Treasure of the Sierra Madre was referenced today for the second time in about a two-week period. And the phrase, uh, the one that killed the golden goose, was used today after hearing an improv segment on Jack and the Beanstalk and the golden goose yesterday. Now, the Golden Goose reference has no significance to me. It's just a tie-in, a signal, if you would, for me to recognize something bigger, something like the Sierra Madre. Madre was one of the last movies I watched with my wife's late grandfather, better known as Pop Pop, a.k.a. Frank the Tank, and affectionately known by those close to him and his big sis as uh, Frankie. He was 82, now, I like to speak openly on sensitive situations, so I'm going to go ahead and say that Pop couldn't have left us at a better time. Of course, he'll be missed, and the impact he made on the family will never be forgotten. But I can go on for a whole other show about that. That would be... That, that would... 
fill hours. It'd be volumes. It'd be its own podcast altogether. And I'm sure I will one day soon. Now, there's no easy way to say that, but death is a part of life, and we all need to face the many aspects of it at one time or another. Where I'm going with this is the ripples of his passing have coincided with a few other events in the family, and I wouldn't be happier being around during these events because, as pointed out before, I look for signs and connections and things in order to give my life meaning. Witnessing the cogs and spindles of the big machine sputter and clank and clack, rolling one gear out, other gears in, and locking something into place once and for all, or so it seems, for a lifetime until something pops loose and another cycle begins, is the thing that makes everything that goes on in my head and my own personal bubble seem so tiny and insignificant. It makes all of my pursuits seem trivial. It turns all the complex games we play into simple carbon-sugar reactions that take place simply to exchange and displace energy. It makes everything small. And standing at an unimpressive 5 foot 2 inches, I can't help but feel a little bit insulted. To boil it all down, we had some cousins stop by recently, and we had a great time. There had been an event that happened a few years back that jammed a wedge into our corner of the big machine, and over the course of the last couple years, other events rippled off that event that only seemed to make things worse. So, without getting into the gory details, I just want to say the big machine sputtered, clinked, and clanked, ringing in a new era with the sound of a bell, tied in a new couple of gears, spit something out of the other end, and when the ringing subsided and the dust finally settled, a shiny new clean slate era had been laid in place for us to venture into with a renewed sense of self. Okay. So if you didn't bail on me over my existential display of emotions, I want to move forward and tell you about something else going on in my head. It's sophomore year on my planet, and if that's a jump ahead for some of you, let me fill you in on the finer details, because that came as a surprise to me too. Let me explain. Recently, I realized that due to the latest developments, there's a relative progression in my artistic and creative endeavors. If I look at everything very closely, then take a step back for some perspective, I can put everything on a timeline that looks an awful lot like a college career. Going sober, getting a handle on my emotional and psychological controls and trying to figure out what to do with the extra time, money, and nervous energy, this past year could easily be translated into something of a freshman year for me. A lot happened in a year and taking the initiative to set myself up to heighten things in this, the second year of things, helped to put my sophomore year into plain view. My choice to pursue comedy, literature I sought out to help with the comedy, the amount of writing I've been doing, and lastly, seeking out classes at uh, the UCB are all part of my sophomore year. And I intend to get a 4.0. So who's ready for the warm weather? I know I am, but 
looking at the size of my gut, my psyche and self-esteem are not. It also doesn't help that I stand an enormous five foot two inches into the stratosphere that I have to also struggle with my weight and appearance issues. I also hate how short I am. Why can't things just be easier? What happened to those days when the weight would just melt off as soon as the heat index broke 60? I know what happened. The little men hiding in the cupboard added sugar and crack to all the little things I like to eat. They also painted the containers of all the snacks I know I shouldn't be eating in fluorescent shades of eat me green and you'll love the taste now but hate yourself tomorrow yellow and uh oh, oh yeah sorry about that disgusting tongue coating aftertaste that's there to make you stuff more of me into your mouth for another temporary bliss fist straight to the nucleus accumbens orange those fucked up little gremlins always sabotaging the path to healthy living and mental fitness What I do appreciate about my job is that it never pulls me too far from civilization. In the barren, cold days of winter, the light traffic makes for easy navigation through all parts of my beautiful Monmouth County. In the spring and fall, a little extra sprinkle of traffic offsets things a bit, but nothing to lose your shit over. And that's when I start to peruse the strips I normally avoid because the mild weather means the streets begin to sprout forms of life again. One of the joys of alternating seasons. One of the main drags I frequent at these times is Broad Street Red Bank, downtown to the locals, and just so happens to be my hometown. Years of memories scattered throughout these streets. At one point, I'd worked at so many places that I could go out for the day without a single dime to my name, hit whatever convenience store I wanted, steal a couple snacks and drinks for myself and friends, snag a couple of bucks from a few different tip jars, and come home stoned with a full belly by sundown. Not much to brag about, but that was life. Always on the hustle. Always working just hard enough to maximize the fun I could have all throughout the rest of the day. I guess some could say I ended up with exactly what I deserve, I say, as I record this, down in the Sunjin, surrounded by my collection of gadgets that I put to good use in the basement of the house that my happy family has grown in over the past few years, that yes, I did end up with exactly what I deserved. 
And on my latest trip through the beloved downtown, now a pseudo-gentrified, sad display of half-failing, yuppie-centric, made-up, niche mock shops, I spot a rough-and-tumble-looking Latino man. He looks more like a young boy, but I'm certain he'll turn, turn out older than what I've assumed. Pink acoustic in hand, fingerless gloves, long, green, army-style jacket, and a flock of dude groupies, seemingly around the same age. He's mid-tune and earnest as fuck. He goes by the name of Taven. And he's got an interesting tale. Well, I'm Jay. Nice to meet you, Jay. I'm Taven. Taven, nice to meet you. Uh, so, what are you doing? Playing. Playing? Yeah. What, what brings you out here every day? Uh, I really enjoy playing guitar. It gets me out of the house. Um, I'm not bothering people at the house, and I'm here. I get practice. Cool. Keeps you out of trouble. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> you got a band? Uh, no, not at the moment. <laughs> You're looking to start a band? Yeah, I'm always looking for people to play with. Anybody that wants to come. In. That's also why I come out here. See musicians pass by. I'm right next to a music store. I get to start conversations with them. Maybe try and get something in the works. All right, that's cool. Uh, so, how old are you? I'm uh, 22. All right, all right, not bad. You got the uh, you got the look of I mean, you got the look of youth, but at the same time, you're out here hanging out. You're on your own. Yeah. You don't have uh, you know, like the mom dad type hovering over you, or whatever. <laughs> so you write your own songs. You do originals and stuff. I do originals. There's just no words to the originals yet. All right, all right. Carving out your uh, carving out your voice, your style, yeah. and all that. I got yeah. That's kind of what I'm doing here. Practice, try and find where I sing the best at, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I like the, uh, the the punk folk uh, uh, delivery of those songs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what do you what do you listen to? Uh, folk punk, uh, mostly metal, rock, anything that's on the radio really, as long as it's not country. Cool man. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same. You know, as you get older, you, you get a little accepting of. Uh, of, you know, different things like, you know, like country and like, you know, jazz and stuff like that. I was oh, never I a big jazz. Uh, jazz is I was never a big jazz fan. Just, I just didn't, I didn't have any context for it. So it was just uh, this stuff that was just too far out and intelligent for me, you know, until one day just, I guess I had cracked open or something. Really, it was Miles Davis that did it for me. Miles and Davis, it was just, that's a great one. Yeah, it was, you know, it, and it was like the aha moment that I'm sure everybody else had. I just, you know... I really had no context for it. So, uh, how long have you been playing guitar? Uh, let's see, about nine years, I think, now. All right, not bad. Not bad. So, you got a... How old is that? I guess, like... I was 13, yeah. 13. So, oh. yeah, nine years then. Cool. So, what, what got you into playing? Well, when I was in elementary school, a lot of elementary schools, they usually make you play an instrument eventually. Right. I joined orchestra. I played violin and cello for two or three years got kicked out of orchestra and then I got a guitar for Christmas so <laughs> I started just playing guitar every day after school every any chance I could I kept playing and cool. playing, playing the same stuff over and over and over yeah. again just to keep practicing and was it like uh like an aha moment or or I don't know I, what drove you like you don't know it was just well ever since I was a kid I remember seeing music videos on MTV and little like live videos that my uncles had of like old school Metallica and Iron Maiden concerts cool man and just watching the guitarists up on stage just wailing going crazy and just 
looking like they're having the time of their lives. Right, right, right. I always just wanted to be that. Like, I just wanted to be yeah. that. Yeah, looking damn cool, too. Exactly. So as soon as I got a guitar, my first goal was to play everything I could by Metallica, Iron Maiden, anything like that. Awesome, awesome. So what's your end game? Where do you where do you where do you want to see yourself? I guess well, I mean, you got the videos. Yeah, on, I'd uh, like to be famous. That'd be on, awesome. On what's left of MTV. Well, I mean, I don't really care so much with the videos. I care more about the the feeling that musicians must go through when they walk out on stage and see tens to fifty thousand people who are all there, not because they like their music, but they just want to come to see you specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They paid money to come see you, and I think that concept alone is. Just enough to drive a person that's cool man uh you ever been in a band and i've been in random bands here and there here there and was then. a band i was in when i first started playing guitar but play some shows out and stuff yeah we some play backyards and like little bars around the area that's about cool. it that's <laughs> hey man you, you carve it out i you know i saw you out here and i'm like first thing that pops into my head when i see somebody with a guitar is like i want to play a song because I, I, I play yeah I, yeah maybe maybe we'll see. <laughs> see how i feel like <laughs> but uh you know, and then you're out here doing the thing. I guess your buddies hang out with you, keep your company, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, you know, what more could a guy ask for, right? Yeah, I hang out with anybody. Anybody wants to stop and have a conversation, I'm not doing anything. I hear you, man. So, do you just uh, do you wait for somebody to come on and ask you to play? Just kind of play randomly, whatever. I normally I just play random stuff throughout the day. I try and look at my audience. Like, you know, occasionally somebody will walk by with a shirt of a band that I may know a song of. So I'll try and play that for them. You know, make them a little happy. Cause it's, nice. Something they like. Yeah. Um, this is my that, friend. What's your name? Taven. His name's Taven? Taven. His name's Taven. <laughs> Can oh, we yeah, hear? You, um, got a, you, got a, you got a wingman over here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I try to cater to my audience as best as possible, but you know, it's not exactly an exact science. Yeah, no, man. I, you know, when it comes to art, nothing really is. Uh, but so, do you need like do you need like a license or anything around out here in Red Bank? I'm not particularly sure that you need a license. The cops really haven't messed with me yet. That's cool. I, yeah, I know certain areas. My buddy yeah. moved up to to Boston, and he got one out there. And I can't remember if he needed one out there. But I know I, certain areas. You know, I just actually to, just came from Massachusetts. I was up in out. Boston actually. And right. uh, yeah, you do need a license out there, depending on the area you are. Right, you go right, out right. to Cambridge where Harvard's at, they don't really care so much. But you go down to like actual Boston by the stadium or anything like that, they like it if you have a Right, right. Life. Now is that like more of like a keep the streets kinda orderly kind of thing, or is it like let me let's just get a couple of bucks out well, of there's, out of everybody out here trying to do something. There's a lot of people that come and do all sorts of acts, especially in places like Boston and New York. Like you've got I know particularly there's one up in Cambridge. It's an older guy. And he has uh, this cart that he pushes around that's set up with a whole bunch of different toys and strings and stuff that make noise while he's playing this little guitar that he's jerry-rigged out of, like, a stick of wood and some other <laughs> stuff. And he's got, like, the whole, like, kick drum set yeah. set up and everything. And it's just a whole bunch of kids' toys, and he plays old school, like, Beatles, Bob Dylan, and stuff like that. And, you know, that he's playing, and there's another older guy that's playing same kind of stuff, less of a theatrical right, right, right. approach Less to it. Less of a spectacle, spectacular. But, you know, there's, since there's so many people, you know, people kind of get upset. Like, I've come here and there's other people sitting playing guitar, so I'm like, oh, I suppose I should go find somewhere else to go. <laughs> other people kind of get upset, try to claim dominance over it. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's with everything. Those, those, those same people are quote-unquote anarchists yeah. and uh, have no idea that they're kind of pushing on that, you know, imposing that same sort of... Uh, yeah. boundary idea onto a fellow artist and musician 
Um, so why the move? What brought you out here? Uh, I've been traveling the country for like the last five, six years. Nice. What's, uh, what's that brought you? Gems of knowledge, anything? Uh, no, not really. I mean, <laughs> same shit, different city. Yeah, you just you go to you start to realize how much every city is kind of the same, except for New Jersey. There's a lot of things about New Jersey I don't like. <laughs> Name so, go on. Oh man, like okay, all of you guys who drive suck driving. You guys are just. But we even... all think we're really good at it, though. That's no, why. That's why we're so so ornery, because everybody else is stupid. Yeah, no, it's just horrible. <laughs> Like, it's not even, like, the stereotypical, like, angry New Yorkers type deal thing. It's just, you guys are just really bad at driving. Yeah, no, and it's, it's an elitist ignorance to everyone else's uh, emotions and, and what they need to do. That's, that's what it is, really. It just boils down to, we do it the best, so get the fuck out of my way. Yeah, this is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's a cool place. There's a lot of cool things here. Um, a lot of the, like, the Stone Pony and Starland Ballroom, those are really cool concert venues. I've noticed you guys have a lot of really cool concert areas and a lot of open mics apparently. Yeah, the yeah, place. they're sprinkled all over. There's, uh, I don't know if you know the Brighton Bar in Long Branch. It's a smaller bar, but it gets a lot of play. They do uh, every Tuesday night. I've been kind of meaning to get out there myself. Um, I have a couple friends that go to the Chubby Pickle over in Highlands. I have no idea. Okay, where that is, all right, yeah, that's yeah, that's that yeah. way. Everything's fairly, you know, it's fairly close. Uh, I'm from uh, like the Asbury area, so. I'm not here for work, but, um, so you, but you haven't been to any open mics or anything no, yet? Uh, well, I went to one with a buddy of mine uh, a couple months ago. It was some coffee shop somewhere. I don't remember where it was. Cool. But, uh, that was the last one I went to. So what's your reason for traveling? I haven't found a place that I feel comfortable yet, at yet. Cool. So you're on your own? You're just doing the thing? Pretty much. Yeah. I had a dog for a little while, but I had to give her up. Oh, that's unfortunate. Eh, it happens. It's a sad fact of life. How is that traveling with the dog? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. You, you just go everywhere with the dog. If you, a lot of people, you know, they assume because you're traveling and you don't necessarily have a roof over your head every night that you're doing some bad service to the dog. But in reality, the dog gets more attention than half of these dog owners' dogs do nowadays. Yeah. Those yeah, dogs yeah. sit inside all day doing nothing. My dog was with me. We were walking miles a day. She's getting exercise, play, all oh. sorts of stuff. I would imagine it's probably, well, like you said, probably better for the dog not to be cooped up in a house all day, every day. And it's probably cool for you, too, because you got a companion, but it's not somebody with... Uh, with, you know, their own complaints and their own, like, oh, well, I want to go this way, I want to go, you know, or I met this girl, or, you know, I did this thing. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. You, uh, but I guess you gave her up for, for obvious reasons, not, yeah. you know, wanting to, you know, being able to feed her or whatever. No, no, I, 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 feeding her was never a problem. I always had pounds of dog food in my backpack. I had more dog food than I had stuff for myself. So what did it come down to? I had to get somebody back to their home, uh, I was in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, and the person I was with became pregnant and needed to go back up to New Hampshire. Luckily enough, we got um, a guy, I guess, talked to this uh, chick and offered to pay for bus tickets from where we were all the way up there, pretty much. And the only stipulation is I couldn't take the dog with me. So, gave up the dog, got her where she needed to go, and back on my merry way. Sounds cool, man. So it sounds like traveling's brought you uh, 
brought you some pretty uh, pretty profound <laughs> gems of <laughs> knowledge of so far. I mean, you're 22, <laughs> and that sounds uh, just, you know, lost your dog, the, somebody got pregnant along the way. That happens a lot more than you'd think, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> tell me about it. I, uh, I kind of popped one out on accident <laughs> years ago. It happens. That's it, man. So uh, you off to anywhere anywhere else? You chilling out here for, for a bit? I don't know what I'm doing right now, <laughs> to be completely honest. I was probably going to go through all these Pokemon cards that I've now acquired. <laughs> all right, all right. But uh, I don't know. I'm well, going to go get a cup of coffee. I'm getting kind of chilly. Couldn't have picked a better, uh, better year. The season's been pretty mild, and now it's about to start warming up. So yeah, I mean, I would suggest you stick around for a little bit, but... Like with uh, every other city, it's probably good things you could do with a good season in any city, so. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably going to stay up north for the summer. Come winter, I'm going to go as far south as I possibly can. I hear that. Wow, you got no uh, nothing to tie you down, so just keep on rocking, man. Yeah. Oh, well, it was nice meeting you. I'm glad you talked to me. I will uh, I will be putting this up somewhere. I don't know. I, have, I do a podcast, you know. I'm, I'm trying to do it weekly, and... Uh, Saw you out here, so I figured I would just uh, you know, fire it up, man. Yeah, no worries. Traven? Taven. 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 It's a little weird. I know. Hey, it sticks out, man. Yeah. Well, it was nice to meet you. Good talking, and uh, and uh, hopefully I'll see you uh, on the road or something. In a band. Probably. On hopefully. TV or something. Right? I hope to be there someday. <laughs> Today in this week's news, monthly. Earlier this week, it was announced that Harriet Tubman, former slave and abolitionist, would be replacing Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. Jackson, the seventh president of the United States, known for ushering in the spoil system and being our least racist, racist president, slashed the nearest slave with Old Hickory, then let him recover on the White House porch. Jackson, who was also known for the dismantling of the Bank of the United States, could be said to have lost his battle with the big banks going into foreclosure and losing his home on the $20 bill. Harriet Tubman, famed conductor of the Underground Railroad, will be the first woman to be placed on American currency in over a century, keeping the theme of the American way when it comes to giving women what they deserve in a timely manner. And if you listen closely, I'm told you can hear her choo-chooing that Underground Railroad all the way to the bank. In a study nearly five months ago, it was found that the life expectancy of white middle-aged women had dropped by about one month. That number may seem insignificant, said study author and demographer Elizabeth Arias, but should be noted as a potential danger, especially when correlated with a spike in the number of cat memes on social media. Mortality rates were specifically linked to heart attack, unintentional injury, meaning drug overdose and suicide, and chronic liver disease caused by alcoholism. This was found to be especially true among whites with less education. This is no laughing matter, said Arias, which only gave black men more of a reason to laugh, second only to seeing white children on leashes, thus extending their lives, alternately, by up to a year. Moomoo TV star and crack co-host Michael Strahan is left live with Kelly and Michael, and who cares about this shit? Iconic rock musician and pop star, formerly known as formerly known as Prince, is dead at 57. He was pronounced dead at 10.07 a.m. Thursday when he was found unresponsive in an elevator at his residence. First responders, upon finding his body, reported no visible evidence of foul play or suicide. 
but we're pretty certain it might have had something to do with the double-necked guitar, Casio keyboard, and full-body percussion suit strapped to his body. Later, it was found that Prince had no will when he passed. This, according to Minnesota law, leaves Tyka Nelson, Prince's sister, next in line to inherit the estate, estimated to be worth a whopping $300 million. When asked if she would be willing to share the estate with her half-brothers and sisters, Tyka exclaimed, When doves cry! In future news next week today, Gwen Stefani was found dead of a drug overdose in her Los Angeles home. The only clues to go on are the lyrics to her latest single, Misery, and her slurred speech during her April 5th performance on SNL. Friends and family alike began to raise concerns over the late Stefani when the lyrics to her latest single began to hit a little too close to home. Quote, I'm doing my best to be sensible. I'm trying not to care. You're like drugs. You're like drugs to me. I'm so into you totally. Confusion began to mount whether she was speaking of her old love, Gavin Rosdale, or her new love, Kalanapin. Fans of the hit show, Game of Thrones, are outraged at her performance alongside famed Thrones star, Peter Dinklage, where she overshadowed his brilliant performance with a less than stellar version of the Space Pants Dance. Fans noted that following a small person in Space Pants with Gwen Stefani doing anything is like hearing a season six spoiler the Monday after it airs. When asked his opinion on the matter after the show, a noticeably vexed Dinklage simply said, Jon Snow stays dead. That's it for the news today, this week monthly. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, The Minds Podcast with Jay Hernandez. So if you guys are going to do some uh, cross-promotion style scavenging and uh, check out Black Helicopter News on the Podomatic app with your host, President Zen One, you'll see that, uh, that you know, we use the same conversation. We both have a bit of a different editing style, which uh, is true to form by, uh, to our respective podcasts. Uh, so if you notice a couple differences, then that's just, uh, that's just the way it is, man. That's, that's showbiz in a sense. It's all about editing, all about timing, uh, how much space that, uh, that you're willing to fill or that you want to fill or, or that, uh, or that you have to fill. Sometimes you're limited. You do, you do things differently. So, uh, if the conversation seems a bit, um, off format, it's because we were essentially on uh, on on Andrew's show. I guess let's just go to the conversation. This is Black Helicopter News on the Minds Podcast. Enjoy. The Black Helicopter crowd notion. Of- Tyranny's always lurking just around the corner. It's mercy. They've been crazy, but now they're right. The people are stupid and they're drunk. There'll be a revolution and they're going to lose. There are too many guns and too many people ready to fight them. I am a man of peace, but we have gangsters running this country. Criminals! Gangsters! We're normal. We see total criminal takeover. The death of freedom. It is the most corrupt, degenerate, criminal government in American history. And I'm trying to awaken people, but look at the morons around you. They're zombies. Black helicopters packed with special ops. But it's a black metal choppers and your coordinates locked in coming for you like mobs so, so black goo there's a massive vein of it there's a massive natural stockpile of it that's like it's like oil it's like an oil right like a reserve or a, yeah like a natural resource it's paraguay there's a massive deposit of black goo 
So I'll tell you, there's this physicist, really smart. He's got over five hours of lectures on black goo. I saw a lot of one of them. He talks about, he worked with this and he had videos. This is, I don't even know where to begin. So he, if you have two samples of black goo, one in another box and one in another in the same room, and if they are close enough, they start to become aware of each other and they start to attract each other. And if something's holding them, the box will shake and it'll just, right. and it's like violently starts to get to it. If you look at this, if you look at a specimen of black goo in a beaker or an Erlenmeyer flask, it looks as if it's breathing. It, it sleeps, sometimes it sleeps, and it doesn't know you're there. It, it's not as viscous as a oil because it clump, it's almost like a clump. It's like a mini snowman in a way, a mini black snowman. Just let me just say for just, that's an easy way to say it. It's a mini black snowman that just, it's, it's like a lump of clay or something. Okay, right. And it's very interested at times and seems happy when, when it sees somebody. When it's angry, it'll jump out at your face. Black goo, this man who studied it said that when you work close with it, it corrupts the heart. Mm. He was a being of light and love, basically. He was like a really positive guy trying to help humanity and study this mysterious substance, okay? <coughs> when the people gathered around this deposit in Uruguay, they started getting more angry with each other and fighting, and this guy was staying at a hotel there, and there was no rooms, so he had to sleep in his car, and his friend had a room. The next morning, he goes in to take a shower in his friend's room, and the lady at the hotel got really angry with him. Not really angry. She... she, she she told him, like, she commented. She was talking shit about that. Right. And he said he was about to kill her. He was literally very close to killing someone, and he never felt this way before. The, the actual scientist. Yes. Okay, he's so a, he's like. He's an ex-physicist. A positive, like, he's trying to enlighten the world. He, yeah, he's got a lot of lectures on this. Educated himself for the sake of humanity and taking uh, the next leap forward. I guess made some discoveries on the black goo, figured that this could be a way to turn the wheels of positivity, let's just say. Starts doing his research, <clears throat> starts you know having prolonged uh, time spent around the stuff. This situation happens, and he essentially felt what it's like to be homicidal. Yeah, exactly. So, so what you're saying is that this stuff, essentially, I, believe, I mean, you just said it before, it corrupts you, even just sharing space with it. But that's pretty astounding because i mean through the depictions that i saw you know in movies and stuff of course but i mean you know we all know that within movies there's always you know codes yes symbology having to do with you know things that are you know of um of uh, an alien nature or conspiratorial or whatever it is so that's pretty cool because that's kind of um i guess contrary to the, to what you're led to believe where it's like if you're infected by it or if it soaks into you or it gets into your and you know you ingest it in somehow in some manner that that will be where it takes over yeah and this has been found in the rain in germany this has been found in the rain recently somewhere around here also one of the united states and who knows <clears throat> this could have a negative effect on humanity if this stuff is raining down on us and people are just we're 
gonna be this is this i believe i don't know what to think of this but this is definitely something that i agree with the depictions of hollywood even comic books mm -hmm. spider-man had the alien symbiote suit that turned it black his costume became all black are you right. familiar with that yeah and and he <clears throat> peter parker rejected it because it was draining his life force and it was making him more aggressive mm -hmm. and angry and evil it's funny because you could see that, like, you know, he's got, like, the, you know, Hollywood-wise, and he's got, like, the bags under his eyes. He's mm -hmm. snapping at his, his his grandmother or whatever it is, um, you know, hurting criminals where he essentially would either leave them all wrapped up for the cops to get, but he's, like, you know, starts to hurt them. And, and I think he almost kills one, right? Correct. Before he kind of comes to his senses. So that's, uh, you know, and, and now that you're saying that, because I didn't, I didn't get to that part in my research, but... um. I guess that where it that's where it could essentially kind of take over at a mental level and maybe allow you to ingest it or cause your own havoc because essentially what I gathered from from you know the things that I watched uh is that it's basically it's going to it wants to take over it wants to gather as much information and energy from people and uh you know <clears throat> essentially looks for people of power or intelligent life and it takes over. Correct. And that brings me to a, a point I wanted to mention. There has been a lot of property and water rights being bought up in that area uh -huh. where the deposit of Black Goo is. You're talking about Uruguay or Paraguay, wherever yeah. it was, yeah. Guess what major family? Uh, let me take a wild guess. The Bushes? Absolutely. And also the German Chancellor, so... It's really interesting why they would be so interested in a random thing like that. Right. And, <clears throat> and uh, well, it goes to show you that this is nothing you'll see in the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. And this is a real thing. I mean, I think it's worthy of forming hypothesis about because the Bushes are going there, buying up land rights and trying to get as much as that as possible. And, and even Germany. Mm -hmm. what a coincidence it's raining down in there on their land and they're they acknowledge this they've been doing it it's it's raining down on us it's alive it it's i i've seen this this is something like invasion of i don't even know these are like pod people mm -hmm. because if 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 they can get inside of you and grow the human body will be nothing more than a, like a shell to them they will just it's insane. Yeah, it could use uh, the thoughts and the feelings of, uh, you know, megalomania and, like, power, wanting power and understanding how to, you know, gain it through, uh, you know, stepping on other people, killing other pe people that are in your way, uh, understanding the political system. Because just as many things have been depicted to take over, you know, as soon as it gets uh, intelligent enough to understand the world around it, it... it, it it picks up on you know hysteria and things of that manner, and it begins a secretive uh, sort of pursuit of power. You know, like Manchurian Candidate, for instance, things yeah. like that. Um, you know, in uh, in the movie uh, Phantoms, it takes over the one body, <clears throat> the astronaut suit through the feet, and soaks you know into the whole guy. He uh, spits out a glob of it. It turns into like a salamander type creature, and that was kind of his its display of like these are my powers, like witness witness the majesty of you know the black goo and then it tells the other astronauts to write the gospel on its existence 
but to not leave any witnesses. So it's essentially saying, talk about me, and then I'm going to kill all of you, but it needs to be documented. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah, that blew my mind. That Yeah, <laughs> yeah that just blew my mind. I'm watching these videos, and it's just like, you know, uh, this is, you know, this is takeover, you know. The Bible even mentioned this. It talked about, like, black stones and mm -hmm. stuff like that, having, like, evil powers or something. I don't know. It was somewhere. I and But this is also the basis you see in necromancy. Black stones, black gems, black robes, mm. <clears throat> a cult. All right, now, without getting, like, you know, without trying to be crass about it, necromancy, uh, that brings to mind, um, like, necrophilia, like, you know, sleeping with, like, dead bodies or whatever. Now, is that, like, more of an occult-type thing? You know, I understand the, the, the comedy aspect of it and, like, oh, you're fucking a dead body and, like, you know, the taboo nature of it. But does that come from... Uh, an occultish um i guess belief or maybe that's like a sort of sacrifice or, or a ritual that uh that it, do you know anything about that or is, is no it... i don't but i I don't think it i mean i'll just take a stab at it <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that sleeping with a dead body is is any belief system but um that'd be interesting to look into yeah, I think I, I think you should because uh, you know they, like there's a movie called Necro Necromantic or whatever that John D. Of course, you know showed us <laughs> like ten years ago. But <clears throat> it was essentially this guy that would uh, dig up bodies to sleep with, or this lady she would like she like stuck like a like a like a iron pipe like where the dick should be and like you know wrote it. Like, oh. <laughs> you know that was her thing. She liked dead dudes. You know, but and that's what I mean. Like, I don't mean to get crass on it, but I'm just curious. And and you should probably check it out too, especially if you're you know, if you're um, hip to that that knowledge. That uh, just to see if that's like a sort of ritual where it's you know a a, a granting of life to something dead to to represent some sort of nether uh, power. You know that that waits latently to take over or whatever sort of you know it could be you trace back to like the black goo type stuff and that's like you know that's the only reason why I brought yeah, it I'm up. That. Yeah, yeah, you should. Um, <clears throat> so what did you you know what did you essentially take from your your, your black goo rabbit hole? Because I see you know like I see it, I I look at it, researched it for a good half an hour, and I'm just like, man, I could spend all day on this. Yeah, and I saw there's so many videos like an hour, or two hours. Yeah. It's like, it's like, all right, maybe later. <laughs> um, my take on it is that it is most likely an alien substance that was brought here in a meteorite. It is found in meteorites, black goo, so I think that may be what it is. I think that it is alive. It is sentient. It has all knowledge of everything on Earth. It's been here longer probably than humanity, than civilization. So I think it is bad, considering it makes people want to kill other people. It makes people angry. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a creation. It is a substance. Everything in the world that is material has a frequency. So this substance of black goo has such a frequency that it is 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 truly evil 
and that's just my opinion but mm. my hypothesis but i think that it is alive it is alien nature and it would obviously want to take control of everything on the earth so where would you think that it that it came from cuz i don't really i don't necessarily think that i i think it either came from a meteor or maybe it was some sort of projectile or missile that was intentionally aimed by from an alien it, it may yeah maybe the the aliens that we see on the moon that have bases there maybe they have something to do with this I, maybe it has to do with the anunnaki and you know what it might have to do with the anunnaki and planet x or nibiru the the race of giants from that planet that came down to earth they were the men of renown in the ancient past the giants like goliath and all of them and maybe the that planet is surrounded by a ring of debris that's why they call it like the star of death so when it comes into the orbit it's this huge planet of giants and it's surrounded by crushed debris of planets and rocks and asteroids and everything just so and through years and years it's a, just a major destructive force in the galaxy <clears throat> And I'm thinking that maybe this substance could have been something that was like a hybrid creation from like bacteria and amoebas and stuff. From and heat and friction. Yeah, and from all and those planets and... combining. So you've got all of this like DNA uh... and molecularness all like combining over like years of just rotating. So maybe like this is some byproduct of the ring of crushed planets that surrounds planet X. Yeah. And <clears throat> when it came by planet earth, it unleashed, you know, possibly it's the destruction of the dinosaurs. Right. 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 Bits of it. Well, cause like when, see when I, when I start to think about like that big things, that big in nature, which I like that hypothesis a lot, I start to, like things like Nibiru and, and even earth and like stuff like that start to lose their value. And I start to like, think about things in a bigger manner where it's like, rather like let's forget Nibiru and all that. Let's keep that planet in the diagram, but let's just call it planet two and we're planet one. And the debris that's gathered around that planet is from things that will may essentially cause a ring around our planet. It's just our own garbage. It's space junk. It's stuff that's coming out of everywhere and you also have Nibiru that's got the ring that moves, you know, unlike Saturn, which is kind of caught in a, in, a, in, a, in its own solar system or whatever. And it's just coming around like this big freaking chainsaw, you know, this this, yeah. this circular saw just cutting through everything, ripping through everything. You know, we've got, you know, uh, what do you call them, space stations and stuff getting pelted with debris. Like, imagine if that was like a whole solid ring of debris, you know. <clears throat> And and then I like your I like your theory on that because essentially you've got the you've got every force you know shear torsion um, you know heat uh, just everything going on and and with the impact of all of this stuff gathering stuff from 
everywhere on the planet. So, you know, <clears throat> so what I'm saying is essentially planet one, planet two. Now look at, you know, planet three through however many you can imagine. They're all essentially moving. All of them, you know, sort of come into impact with uh, with other solar systems and, and things like that. So, like, it can be, like you said, gathered from the, the furthest, you know, recesses of the galaxy. I don't yeah. know we call it the universe and all being combined. So it's almost like the opposite, the counter effect of life, because I don't believe we're the only ones. I don't believe Nibiru is the only other planet with life on it. This other planet we see, the blue planet or whatever. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's life on it. I'm, I am I would actually put money on it. You know, I'd put maybe like $5,000. I could probably, you know, for the, for the, the sake of the planetary, you know, our lives, in existence, I'd put five grand on it to say that there's life on that planet, something. And nice. it's just the byproduct, you know, this black goo is either the byproduct or we're the byproduct of like just all of this, these cycles continuing and collecting. And, you know, essentially because of the infinite, um, uh, the maybe infinite nature of our, our universe that it could have happened over and over and over where, you know, because the black goo takes over whatever happens from that we you know essentially any planet with the um life building uh properties can you know creates life and then life comes out of it and then it, everything starts you know taking from the, the their planets their resources and everything and you know there's aliens and like yeah maybe even aliens are communicating because because of the black goo and they're just like oh man we need to spread this message but every time i go to that planet we send people there they get blown up so it's right. like, you know, you got <clears throat> aliens getting blown up. You got aliens hiding in, you know, things like Middle Earth and caverns. And, yeah. You know what I mean? You got Sasquatch that we can't even find. You know what I mean? Like, who knows what that is? You know, like. But we'd attack them on site. So they exactly. know they can't even start a conversation with Exactly. Us. So as silly as you'd want to say that I sound, like, at the same time, you can't, like, I mean, we can't even deal with different color people of human nature. That's a great point. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like maybe they're, we're all just trying to communicate and like you know, and just say like, yeah, what's up? Like you know, and like meanwhile, majority of people wouldn't believe this, you know, on Earth. So we're not of an enlightened nature. So we're just going to visit other planets and be like, hey, like look what we can do. We got iPods, and they're just like, yo, black goo. And we just kill them on sight because they're saying something in a language we don't understand. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> that could, you know, Nibiru could just be like, all right, they're like, however many thousands of years does it take for it to come back around? I I don't know, 10,000, 25,000. Yeah. I'm not sure. But Maybe they're just on there like, oh, like hopefully they'll listen to us this time. Well, <laughs> they get here and there's just interplanetary war. Well, remember, they're giants, so. Right, right. It's scary. We're going to shoot the shit out of them <laughs> if we see them. <laughs> Well, that, you know, like stuff like that brings me around to uh, I I looked at a little excerpt of uh, John Dies at the end. You know that movie? I remember from watching the excerpt, I remember starting to watch it. And essentially it started with this guy. He's like he's an addict or whatever or something. I, I might be completely off, but he ends up with these pills. His friend died or something. He takes these black pills like he gets freaked out because he's looking at them. But you, you don't know if he's high or not or whatever. And the one starts moving like little active, these little black pills. And he, so he throws them on the ground. One of them shoots up right into his mouth. He sees the other one come and closes his mouth. It turns into a fly, like a you know little fly lands on his face. And he's like freaking. He's like, oh, you're not going to get into my mouth. You know, and the thing soaks into his skin. 
And then the, the plot sort of thickens with this this father figure that's like, you know, <clears throat> you tell towards the end that it's like an ominous thing and his dad's like in on the whole thing. And then it leads him to uh, to watch TV and he sees this guy, Marconi, who's kind of like a um, uh, motivational speaker. And he's got this whole religion thing or whatever it is. And, you know, and he's just talking about uh, Marconi, which led to in the same video I was watching an excerpt where he's talking about how uh, he showed something called the Marconi scientists oh no, no no marconi deaths conspiracy theory which states that between 1982 and 1990 25 british-based gec marconi scientists and engineers who worked on the stingray project and other united states defense initiatives related projects better known as star wars died under mysterious circumstances whoa and Another uh, excerpt from that that's the sort of same theory was talking about how uh, a guy with the similar name from that movie uh, in real life was part of this whole project or whatever and uh, how a, a whole island off the Falklands where they did this sort of research had to be wiped out and taken out by, uh, by mercenaries and commandos that were hired by who knows um, to wipe out this entire island and everything. And everything on it because of some mysterious black uh, intelligent life goo. <clears throat> and that was essentially the mission. Wow. And which ties into your whole thing with, with the families, you know, trying to move in and, and buy the land where essentially I guess they'll they'll find it or they know it's there in abundance. And, uh, yeah, that's very true. And this reminds me of just the evil nature that's corruptive of this substance. People might be able to write that off and be like, you know, it's not nothing. Nothing can do that. Well, just look at money. Mm -hmm. Money is very corruptive. They gave there was an experiment where they gave these apes money, and well, not real money, but a form of money. Right. And before this, they were living in harmony and peace. And these apes were beings of light and love. They were just living beautifully. And they had the experiment done to them without their permission to introduce currency to their little pack or family, whatever, their little gang, these gang of apes. They started to use it. They started to obsess over it. Okay, then the... the children were stealing from the parents the money the children the, the other apes are just stealing from other apes the female apes started to prostitute themselves so this is an amazing study and it's real and when the scientists tried to take the money away they beat the shit out of them oh man and they continued just to beat up any scientist that tried to take their money <laughs> and like this is so sim like so Money can corrupt. Fake money can corrupt. Yeah. This black goo can corrupt. It's like things in this world are, can be evil. But yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. people are like, oh, evil doesn't <clears throat> exist. We're in a modern world. It's just all whatever. And it's like, you know what? There is evil. This black goo proves it. Money proves it. 
Greed well, proves it. I, I like the, the the whole turnaround point on that too, because <clears throat> where we were talking, how I thought Black Goo needed to infiltrate uh, you in order to affect you, but just being around it could have a negative, you know, negative uh, effect on your just well-being and, and and how you look and positivity and money in the same sense. You can't eat money, but being around it was making those apes lose their shit. But at the same time. You can eat your money if you buy food with it. And if you're buying but more I food always, than someone else, then you have more food and you're happier because you can stuff your face. You know, that's at the point where you're ingesting it. And just like the people in the characters in the movies, they ingest it or it infiltrates them and then they essentially, quote unquote, shit it out somewhere through their feet or through their eyes or they vomit it in, in a lot of the depictions. That's like you know, overeating or like even just eating, you have to poop it out or whatever at some point. So it's just the whole cycle is very mind blowing. And if it's coming down in our rainwater, it's coming down into our agriculture. Mm -hmm. And then that means that's getting into (coughs) our cows, our chickens, our pigs. Mm -hmm. And that leads us to uh, actual tangible evidence of things because from what I gathered, my wife's taking um, like agriculture classes and horticulture and stuff and plant-based sciences. And uh, what I did not realize, what and what most of us probably don't realize, is that um, they're trying to find uh, answers to obesity by studying obesity in plants. Because what we don't understand is that to feed <clears throat> our constant need and never insatiable uh, appetite we've actually made plants obese and fat and overproduce and unhealthy and genetically modified them. Wow, that's crazy, dude. That's crazy. We've actually, our society has become so decadent and obese and gluttonous that we've actually corrupted the most pure thing on earth, the plants growing out of the ground. We've corrupted them to be lazy and obese. (laughs) That's sad. It's sad. You know, so imagine we've got, you know, let's just let's just tie it all in. You got this black goo corrupting us, making us not feel good about each other. We also have, you know, uh, material based lives where we buy things to feel better, even though that never works. Just as long as we have more than that guy, then we feel a little bit better. But it just continues the process of consuming and, uh, you know, uh, seeking out money and wealth and power to the point of where we turn it onto our food system because we're so everybody everybody needs everything so now we have to feed everyone everything so now we have to make the food supply fat and obese i mean we've, we already make our pigs our chickens our cows obese you know we've uh frog raw is overfed ducks <clears throat> who are force fed for their oversized uh, livers or whatever it is um you know to the point of where we have to make our food fat also so that we can eat you know, it's just so incestuous because it's just like, you know, fairy tales of the <clears throat> of the witch fattening up Hansel and Gretel so she can cook them and eat them and feed herself. And it makes you not want to eat meat anymore. Yeah, that too. Especially because although they, they make corn and whatever, you know, they're like, oh, it's to feed, you know, masses amounts to feed the masses when over, I think it's almost 50% of corn uh, goes into... Um, well, first off, it goes into feeding, overfeeding the animals. It also goes into uh, the fuel, 
that is used to transport all of the food because we 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 need so much of it so it's just it's so incestuous that it's just not even productive anymore there's no you know you, you can't uh claim that the bastardization of these systems is for the betterment of society the bastardization has become the answer to the bastardization of the system so it's like you know it's just feeding the bullshit system now so it's not really actually doing any good because the system if it's corrupt and then you further corrupt it to continue the corruption that's not an answer these are the things we're dealing with man this is you know this is the struggle and and to the point of where I understand when some people just want to throw their arms up, you know, claiming that progression will solve it all and let me just live my life and let me do my thing and get money and fucking let me take a selfie, you know what I mean? Like, I get it. It's not the answer and it's not even going to help. It, it, and to further prove the point, it's been proven that it just it doesn't make you feel better. It gives you a shot of dopamine, uh, you know, that, that satisfies the addictive part of your brain. And then you go on, you go on living, just basically dragging yourself through existence, trying to uh, post as many pictures of you with a smile. Yeah, we have to heal ourselves as, a, as a culture, as humanity. It has to be reinforced and ingrained into our culture because, right now, this is not how, and it's not just. And I'm not saying I'm perfect or a goody two shoes, and I'm not saying you are, but we need more people. We need everyone to raise their vibration the incestuous relationship with the meat and the food and the the fuel then we got to get away from that immediately okay we got to get away from that lifestyle now i'd say become a vegetarian but now we have to worry about the black goo getting into our agriculture so now we have to fix that we have to have maybe hydroponic food indoors or something with purified water but we that's we just have to find that's why people don't talk about this mainstream that's why they don't want to talk about this in their spare time or because it's it's a lot of problems that have to be diagnosed and they have to be treated it may take hundreds of years but we're here at least trying to spark some minds spark some of this positive consciousness into this world and this could be a good jumping point for people listening to this episode to look into dozens of other topics that we mentioned so it's it's a it's a mass enlightenment we need and now that black goo has is being bought up by the bushes or at least they're staking some of the water claims there which i would not be surprised if they're going to somehow market that to poison the world by the time you hear the gunshots and everybody runs The propaganda's already begun The narrative's already been spun The new world order wants to be the only ones with the guns Staging false flag disasters, mass shootings Risk factors, divisive chapter Most are victims, they're crisis actors They try to hide 60 million killed by government Let's end the lies That's called democide It's time to ride Like Paul Revere The new world order is here And they want us all in fear So we'll be easy under control They want us to sacrifice Liberty for security But the answer's no It'll never happen We'll live free or die in the clashes And rise from the ashes And never be held captive by the fascists This is Andrew Robinson reporting live from Black Helicopter News This is supposed to be a peaceful protest until the police showed up. Now, 
So that's it for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed catching up with President Zen One and uh, and meeting Taven. He's a traveling minstrel of sorts. So uh, if you see him out there, tall, skinny, brown kid, glasses, pink acoustic, can't miss him. Give him a honk. Give him a shout. Give him a couple bucks. I know I did. It was worth it. Got a song out of it. Got some good, strong punk folk. And as always, check me out at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, a few other directories out there if you uh, like the more obscure stuff. Um, Comment me, email me, um, like one of my episodes. I mean, shoot me something, man. I'm working on these things pretty hard. I'd like to bring them to you more often, but in order to make the time for that, I have to, uh, you know, you guys kind of, kind of show me some attention so that I can know that I'm doing things right or whatever it is I'm doing wrong. I can switch it up and change it up, try new things. I will be trying new things in the near future. And if I can one day make money off of this, then, uh, I could do it more often, you know, maybe once a week, once every two weeks or, you know, twice a week, which is what I was doing originally at one point. But either way, I mean, you guys are just listening and enjoying do just that because i i am getting the listens i'm enjoying watching the numbers rise but as you know the more interaction you give me on uh the different platforms the more attention it brings to me the more present i am in the in the webosphere whatever it is you want to call it and uh and that brings the sponsors in man that brings the eyeballs that brings the earballs and then I'm out there in uh, in everyone's pockets. And that means you know, more for everyone. If you like the show, uh, show me some love, man. Jay Hernandez, signing off. She's goddamn smoke alarms would stop going off.